another informational resource from UK Healthcare. This is UK HealthCast, featuring conversations with our physicians and other healthcare providers. Here's Melanie Cole. These are unprecedented times for medical care across the board. But for teens, this can be an especially difficult time. This is UK HealthCast with the University of Kentucky HealthCare. Today, we're talking about adolescent telemedicine and how we can help our teens during this pandemic. Joining me is Dr. Alyssa Briggs. She's a licensed psychologist and an assistant professor of pediatrics, and Dr. Mandakini Sadir. She's an assistant professor of pediatrics and board certified in adolescent medicine, and they are both at UK Healthcare. Dr. Sadir, I'd like to start with you. What is adolescent medicine and how does it help teens at this time, but really all the time? Yeah, thank you, Melly. Uh, I'm glad to be part of our discussion here. And as you mentioned, this is such an extremely important topic during this time. So our adolescent medicine um, is a subspecialty that provides primary as well as consultative care to address adolescent concerns. Um, as we all know, um, adolescence is a time period which is marked by physical, emotional, and cognitive development. And teens are going through many physical and emotional changes, and they're searching for independence. This time can be fun and exciting. And however, teens are also partaking in many risk behaviors that can have many long-lasting and serious effects on their physical and emotional health. And teens are often struggling with interpersonal relationships, dating violence, body image, sexual or gender identity concerns. Um, and this puts them at risk for various mood disorders, such as anxiety, depression, eating disorders, substance use, sexually transmitted diseases, and, and teen pregnancy. Um, in our Ellison Medicine Clinic, our providers, um, they specialize in taking care of teens, and they, they spend a lot of time with teenagers to screen for risk-taking behaviors. Uh, they talk with teens about how these behaviors can have long impact on their overall health. Um, you know, we have a team of medical and behavioral health providers and dietitian who provide this comprehensive uh, patient-centered care to our patients and, and families. Uh, for adolescent medicine, you know, uh, our clinic follows those federal and Kentucky confidentiality guidelines and regulations for patient privacy uh, of teenagers. So uh, pretty much our goal in adolescent medicine is is to be there for teens and make sure we address their unique needs through our team approach uh, and that addresses not just their physical but as well as their mental health as well. Well, thank you for that answer, Dr. Sadir, and I'm going to stick with you for just a minute. One of the things in adolescent medicine I think is so important, and you mentioned privacy and confidentiality. Teens don't always want to talk about their issues or tell the truth about those unsafe practices. And certainly right now, with the mental anxiety going on, assure the parents about the confidential care you're able to offer. What does that mean? So confidential care um, basically means that the provider, whether it's a medical or a mental health provider, you know, they take time to talk to the teenagers and they assure confidentiality. What confidentiality means that whatever conversation um, the teen is going to have with the provider um, is going to stay with the provider. Uh, the provider is not going to share the information to the parents unless there are certain conditions. And that conditions are typically related to safety. 
you know, one very important thing is that we as providers, ha- you know, uh, we want to ensure that we take care of teen and ensure their safety. So while most of the information stays confidential, that means we don't share it with parents, but, you know, safety is, is most important. And that's where we reassure parents that we will do everything to make sure their child is safe. So some of the conditions that we often talk to families, you know, just in the beginning of the visit or for the initial visit is that for me as a doctor to share information with parents, you know, I have this discussion with the child and the parent in the room and, and say, you know, I'm going to talk to your do- uh, child and um, and when my, your child tells me that they are at risk for self-harm or they want to hurt themselves, Um, They want to hurt others or they have been exposed to any kind of physical, sexual or emotional abuse. That's where I am going to, you know, involve parents in or the legal guardians to make sure I the child is safe. Um, Obviously, before that, I always take permission from the teenager uh, to, you know, make sure that they are okay with it. so that what's uh, typically means confidential care that there are certain things that I cannot disclose it to parents. But obviously, we always talk about, you know, uh, it's always good to have an open and honest communication between a parent and, and their child. Uh, and we are there, uh, you know, to kind of help support um, teens and families and provide resources how, you know, that can happen. So important. And Dr. Briggs... I think this is just such an important question during these times of social isolation. I'm sure there are a lot of teens who are struggling with not being able to see their friends and might be dealing with anxiety and depression. I have two teens, so I know that they are absolutely dealing with this right now. It's pervasive. What are some signs parents should look out for to determine if their child is going through something more than just normal teen issues? This is, as I said in the intro, unprecedented. What should we be looking for with our teens right now, you know, to see and red flags to notice that something more is going on? Right, Melanie. I think, you know, that's a very important question. And a lot of times it can be difficult to determine whether this is typical behavior of a teen or, you know, something more. Um, you know, during regular times and during these times as well. I think a primary sign during this time would be anger. Um, Anger is common when somebody experiences trauma. And, you know, I think it's safe to say that what we're going through now is traumatic. You know, so anger protects, you know, serves to protect us from, you know, what we feel like is unfair or difficult emotions. And, you know, when teens don't know what to do with the frustration or, you know, the hurt or sadness they feel from this situation, it would make a lot of sense for them to feel angry. And, you know, sometimes they misdirect this at other people. So you may experience teens kind of lashing out and talking back more, um, seeming to overreact more from time to time. You know, and all of this happens on occasion with teens because they do feel emotions more intensely than really any other age group. Um, But what you would be looking for is really kind of maybe more frequent outbursts or expression of anger than maybe what you've seen before. So I think that would be a really important sign that they are struggling. I think what's also true, too, for us is that a lot of us are struggling to maintain a regular schedule during this time. Um, You know, and teens sleep in. But I think, you know, if they're spending more than 12 hours a day in bed or just having a really difficult time getting out of bed, you know, that would be a sign of concern as well. I think also a lot of us, 
you know, are probably eating, overeating maybe, or eating more processed foods during this time when we feel stressed and we want comfort. Uh, but I think, you know, in, you would want to look for any dramatic change in appetite in either direction, right? Like, so complete loss of appetite or um, binge eating would be a sign of concern as well. You may also notice, you know, your teen, you know, if they feel anxious or depressed, they might just look more fidgety or more restless or seem more on edge. They may talk more fast or more slowly than normal. They may be crying a lot, although, you know, as a parent, you may not necessarily see this because they're going to try and keep this private. Um, you know, another thing, another job of adolescence is to separate from parents and connect more with peers. You know, to, so to a certain extent, it's pretty normal for teens to go hide out in their room. Um, but if you notice kind of increased withdrawal or they're not texting or chatting with their friends as much, that would also be a sign, you know, that they may be going through something a little more and struggling with some anxiety and depression. Wow, Dr. Briggs, you hit the nail on the head with every single one of those things about teens hiding in their room. And I checked off a bunch of boxes for my teens. So Dr. Sadir, if parents like me are checking off those boxes based on what Dr. Briggs said, what resources are you able to offer teens who are dealing with anxiety and depression? All of these things that she mentioned, tell us a little bit about individual and group therapy available. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So in our clinic, um, as I mentioned, you know, we have a team of medical providers, mental health providers who are specializing in, in taking care of those concerns. So parents can, you know, if, if a parent is concerned about their teen um, and they notice the symptoms that Dr. Briggs had mentioned, they can always call our clinic to schedule appointment. Typically, when patients um, call, they are scheduled to see one of our medical provider who talks to the teen and the parent. They review their concerns, uh, sort of go through their medical history. Uh, they do pretty extensive screening for mood concerns. You know, they talk about um, some risk-taking behaviors that uh, might the teen might be engaging in. And after that, um, uh, you know, the medical appointment, you know, the doctors, uh, the, uh, they meet with the teens and, and parents to sort of discuss some recommendations as to what are the next steps. Now, for the most part, you know, when teens are struggling with anxiety and depression, you know, counseling can be a great help. You know, we do both. Uh, we do um, different types of individual family or group counseling, depending on what uh, is going on with the teenager. And at the same time, you know, if a child needs additional help uh, um, through medication, you know, that is also something that's discussed. Now, individual and group therapy, they play a very important role and they meet at various levels. Individual therapy is more focused on, um, you know, uh, our counselors working with a teenager on a more one-on-one -on -one basis and kind of uh, addressing their concerns. And group therapy is more uh, where you have a group of teenagers who work with our counselor to address uh, different types of concerns. And, and so, um, as I said, our approach is, you know, um, not to just do medication, you know, if a child is struggling, you know, our approach is a more holistic approach with, um, you know, doing combination of counseling and or medication as needed. And as I said, counseling plays a really important role uh, to help these kids uh, dealing with their uh, mood concerns and, you know, find ways to cope with that. And I think uh, Dr. Briggs uh, really uh, specializes in individual and, uh, and group therapy for our teenagers. Well, so Dr. Briggs, let's talk about that a little bit. 
tell us some of the benefits. But while you're telling us that, right now with this pandemic, telemedicine, and that's what we're talking about today, tell us how that works. Tell us what you're doing, how you're able to do these therapies via telemedicine and, and group therapy as well. What can parents expect and how, how does that process work? Right. And so, you know, we're doing individual and group therapy uh, through Zoom. We have um, a secure you know, Zoom account. And actually, we have somebody in our office who is kind of a technological wizard with it, and he has set up an entire virtual clinic. So when the team comes in for a telemedicine session, they're greeted by a registration person, just like they would be in the clinic. Uh, that registration person gets that reg- them registered and either sends them into a virtual waiting room or sends them to meet uh, directly with the provider if they're ready. And then the session is conducted, you know, face-to-face through the screen uh, through Zoom. And I think, you know, one of the benefits of being an adolescent during this time is that they're generally pretty comfortable with FaceTime and video chatting. Um, and I think a lot of them are really enjoying the opportunity to do telemedicine and interact with their therapist in this way. I've also found, too, that a lot of the adolescents are a lot more comfortable uh, interacting with me through Zoom than even they, they are in the office because I think they feel a little more comfortable talking with their therapist from their own home uh, than, you know, maybe they do when they come into an office. And when I've done, you know, group therapy sessions through Zoom, I found that the adolescents are actually more engaged than they are when they come into the clinic. You know, I think the the only concern would be there are some adolescents who, you know, struggle to access a good internet connection, especially if they live in more rural areas um, or, you know, may struggle to access privacy depending upon their living situation. And so, you know, telemedicine would not be ideal for them. But for a lot of the patients we serve, they've actually really enjoyed it and enjoyed connecting with an adult therapist that way. What a great point. I mean, the kids know about these things way more than the parents at this point. I mean, we're all learning, right? This is all learning on the go as far as telemedicine and Zoom, and it's happening across the medical spectrum. Dr. Briggs, aside from helping the teens get connected with their mental health issues and with professionals, Speak to parents for me. Tell them how they can help support their kids. I'm listening. Parents are listening. What do you want us to know about getting them out of their rooms or getting them out of bed or really making sure that we observe these red flags, we notice them, and we what can we do to help them? Right. Um, you know, I have a close friend who um, is also a therapist, and you know, she said one thing her stepmom did when she was a teen that made a huge difference is they had a routine where every Friday night, she and her stepmom would sit down and play rummy cub. And she said that was just so important for her. Sometimes she didn't talk with her stepmom at all, but it gave her the opportunity to share with her stepmom what was going on with her in kind of a non-threatening, non-confrontational way. So I think, you know, engaging with teens in non-screen activities like card and board games, having a family game night would be so important right now. Um, and I think, you know, teens may find it easier to open up with their parents either, you know, while they're engaged in activity. Um, in addition, you know, it helps build a relationship between the teen and the parent. So they may feel more comfortable, you know, coming to them or coming to you at another time. Um, I think, you know, What's also important is to just roll with resistance. So allow teens to express why they don't want to do X, Y, or Z, 
uh, empathize with them, um, use validation. So acknowledge how they're feeling and why. Like I hear you are feeling upset because your online courses are just so irritating. Um, you know, if they feel understood and heard, they may, you know, feel safe enough to open up more. Um, they may also be kind of less defensive when it comes to the time that you need to engage in problem solving with them or negotiation or offer some suggestions. But I would say also to just kind of be patient with this process. You know, it takes time for teens to kind of air out their thoughts and feelings and for them to feel heard. I know as parents, you know, you really want to have your teens talk with you about what's going on, but I think it's really important not to push or demand that they talk with you. This will just kind of build resistance and build that wall between you and your team. So I think instead, you know, just remind them that you are there for them and you're ready to support them if they need you. Um, a question I really like to, you know, to ask of your kids is, what do you need from me right now? How can I support you? I think that comes off very different than, you know, tell me what's going on with you. When you ask your teen how they're doing or how they're feeling, I think it's really important, you know, to be in a situation or setting, you know, where you have the time and capacity to sit down and truly listen to them. You know, I think they can tell the difference between a general, how are you doing today? And, you know, really tell me how you're feeling. I'm here to listen to you. And I also think as parents, you know, it's okay for you to say things like, this is hard. You know, I'm so frustrated with this whole social isolation thing. Um, I think, you know, modeling being honest about your feelings is really helpful for our teens to hear. Um, you know, and they may relate with you and, you know, then you may open a door for them expressing their own thoughts and worries. And I think, you know, I the other thing is teens, of course, miss their friends. Um, there are some creative ways, you know, that I think they've found to connect with their friends, you know, that parents can be supportive of, um, you know, that are safe, whether it be, you know, one teen sits on a front porch and the other sits in the front yard and they get to have lunch together that way. Or, you know, you can just brainstorm with them ways that they can connect with their friends. What great advice. Absolutely spot on. So, Dr. Sadir, as we wrap up, and I, I'd like to give you each a chance to sort of wrap up and let the UK healthcare community know what you would like them to know about adolescent telemedicine and what our, what our teens are going through at this time. So Dr. Sadir, give us your best advice and what you'd like them to know as an adolescent medicine specialist about the difficulties at this time. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, uh, what we've seen, you know, this, these are some challenging times and something that as a whole, um, you know, we all are experiencing as something new, um, you know, experience altogether, you know, for teenagers, especially and for adults, that means changing their daily routine and staying at home, not being able to interact with anybody, the whole social isolation and, and obviously the anxiety that the whole pandemic uh, brings um, and the challenges that it's bringing, you know, obviously this pandemic has affected many families. Um, and so what I just wanted to kind of mention that through telemedicine, it has really given us the opportunity to reach out to families and teenagers. Previously, the in-person visits um, is how we did things, but with telemedicine, 
uh, we can reach out to all the teens and families who want to be connected. You know, I just want to mention that we are here for them and we are here for teenagers. You know, they can just call and get an appointment scheduled with us and we will be able to connect them to telemedicine. You know, telemedicine, we have really been more comfortable with face, you know, doing it uh, through FaceTime or face to face through the Zoom link. I've had parents who feel like it's such a great opportunity that they are able to connect with us, uh, even though they're not able to come to the clinic, but we are still able to provide the services they need and and be able to do counseling for these patients who are uh, in need for, um, you know, additional support and resources. With telecare, um, you know, we are here and we uh, would love to be able to be a resource for our teenagers and, and as well as parents. And Dr. Briggs, last word to you. What would you like parents of teens to know at this time about reaching out when they feel that their teens need a little extra help and the adolescent medicine telemedicine program at UK Health? I would like them to know, you know, that there is absolutely nothing wrong with reaching out, you know, for help. All of us are struggling during this time. Um, Like I said, this is this is traumatic, and it's something that we've never had to navigate before. So there's definitely no shame in reaching out. And I think, you know, no matter what's going on, and of course, I say this with the bias of a therapist, but I believe, you know, a little bit of therapy is good for everybody. You know, it's helpful to have a neutral party to just sound off your thoughts and your feelings with and to empathize with you and help you work through, you know, what to do next. And I think teens really appreciate having a neutral adult help them through this. And they're really comfortable with the telemedicine services we offer. Um, You know, like I said, they're used to connecting with others through FaceTime and through technology. And so I think, you know, of every age group, really, our, our adolescents are really kind of most equipped to engage with our telemedicine services. Thank you both so much. What an excellent, informative segment. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your incredible expertise for parents at this time. To learn how UK Healthcare is dealing with COVID-19 and for information, including symptoms and prevention advice, please visit our website at ukhealthcare.uky.edu slash COVID-19. And to learn more about adolescent medicine at UK Healthcare, please visit ukhealthcare.uky.edu. That concludes another episode of UK HealthCast with the University of Kentucky HealthCare. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other University of Kentucky HealthCare podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.